Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Midweek madness in full effect as the seasons turn from fall. Getting cold over here, so it's starting to become winter. But winter is coming for my FPL score, that's for sure. (laughs) How was your blank game week 12, Brian? Hey, man, it's 85 degrees here in the Bay Area, so can't complain about the weather too much yet. And my FPL team did all right. I'm happy enough. Small green arrow so far with a couple left to play, but the scores across the board were very low. So where the F are the rest of our points? Hopefully, Mitro bags a brace tomorrow and we'll feel much better about our scores. Preach. Ain't that the truth? We are recording this podcast on Wednesday evening. Seven of the nine fixtures in blank game week 12 have taken place, but content waits for no fixture because we got to get this podcast uploaded and edited and into your airwaves quick, because before we know it, we're going to be into the weekend and there's another set of fixtures with game week 13 right around the corner. And this is a special game week indeed, as Bucks has activated his first wild card. So we're going to discuss that later on the pod and who we're looking to target from an FPL perspective for the next four weeks before the World Cup. So let's get into it, Bucks. How did you do this game week? Last we heard, you took the decisive minus eight before you were playing the wild card. So how did that net out? Very, 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 very mediocre performance from the guys I brought in one out of four of the players had returns and it was Wilf Zaha who gets the game winning goal. He gets eight points total sneaking in one bonus point. Love to see that, but I took a minus eight. So basically cross him off. And the guy that I brought in and captained Mo Salah was basically completely invisible for Liverpool today, which was extremely frustrating him Callum Wilson and Trossard all blank and basically did absolutely nothing. So that was extremely frustrating. I was expecting at least two returns uh, from the four guys I brought in. So fell short on that front. And it's looking like a small to medium sized red arrow, about 40,000 spots down right now, about 230K overall. But I have Danny Ward, Andreas, and Mitrovic, and they are going to hopefully be the life raft that will save me from the sinking ship of my team going into wildcard. Hey, those are three good candidates to throw you a life jacket in the sea right now, Bucks. Those guys are in form. Surprisingly, Danny Ward, clean sheets in two out of the last three matches. So, hey, maybe you luck into one tomorrow. Hey, I can pray that uh, your goalkeeper luck does not rub off on me. But uh, if my life depended on it, I would not be counting on Danny Ward for a save life raft or in general. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Getting to my team. I took a minus four last week. I brought in Sala, Trossard and Dunk for KDB, Reese James and Madison. All up. I ended up on 42 points, two to go tomorrow. And the saviors. Wow. Nico Williams, very timely six pointer off the pine. That was one of the highlights of the game week because you are not expecting more than one point from him. And that's the reason why I brought Trossard in like so many hundreds of thousands of managers this week. Trippier continues to be the boy genius, delivers time in and time again with nine points. Dunk eight pointer. Love that from the center back position for Brighton. And then I also got eight points from Zaha. Salah blanks as my captain. It was a very popular option this week, so I'm not too fussed about it. But I did call out last week on the pod that he would likely play more on the touchline with Nunez coming in. And today they played two up top with Firmino as well. And so Salah was a little bit lost out there. He recorded some decent stats, had, I think, six shots on goal, 0.35 expected goals. So hopefully next week he'll get right as he's a mainstay in my squad since I'm not on wildcard. Elsewhere, I really feel like I was a Keppa save away from a Tony nine-pointer. Another heroic effort from Keppa, and he brings home a big haul. So I think uh, he's somebody we'll talk later about as you're on wildcard and looking to shake up your team. But from a FPL perspective, I'm not sure what the game week average is. I think it's close to 30 points right now. Again, a lot of managers took hits, so... We'll make sure to update the FPL Blues Super League top standings and manager of the game week on our next episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I should just note, I'm on 35 points all out. I'm really on 43, but I took a minus eight, 
which is looking very ill-advised with two games to go in this blank game week. Frustrating, but uh, one of us is doing right and the other one is on wildcard. So Bucks, you broke one of the commandments. You know, I, I told you that minus eights are crazy and very rarely do the punts work out. It's it's hard to score goals and hard to get points in FPL. So hopefully you will not be taking any more minus eights the rest of the season. Agreed. I can uh, I can agree and say that I was wrong in my strategy going into this game week. However, we should just give credit to ourselves because a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about potentially captaining Trippier or Dunk and really leaning on defenders in blank game week 12. Unfortunately, the allure of chasing a attacking return was too exciting for us both to pass up. And with Salah coming into form, following the quickest ever Champions League hat trick and his goal, his game-winning goal against Man City, uh, we were feeling pretty optimistic about his chances against West Ham. But uh, it didn't end up coming to pass. And for the most part, the top scorers in blank game week 12 thus far have all been in defense or in goal. So uh, let's jump right into the top standout performers, Brian. Yeah, I mean, taking a look at the slate, no team has scored over two goals in this midweek game week. So a little bit lethargic from an attacking perspective and the defenders cranked up the points. So, wow, once again, Allison, 15 points. He saves a key Bowen penalty. Not going to lie, that was a big moment in FPL for many managers, and I was very happy to see Bowen, who is not on either of our squads, get a fat donut this game week. Yeah, we're going to talk about him in the flopper section for real, but Allison gets an assist last game week against Man City and a clean sheet, and he gets a clean sheet and max bonus and the penalty save uh, in this one against West Ham. Really, the advanced stats and the eye test both reflect that this was an even contest, but Allison was the difference by a long shot. Uh, That was an incredible save. It really wasn't such a poor effort from Bowen. So the fact that he kept that out of the back of the net, massive. And he right now sits in the throne position as the king of the game week with 15 points total. Not to be outdone, Forest keeper Dean Henderson, he gets another double-digit return. He is really head and shoulders above the rest of this Forest team as an FPL asset and an overall kind of caliber player. He gets 11 points, clean sheet, seven saves. This guy's just been standing on his head multiple times this season. (laughs) Two points for uh, seven saves total, and uh, he gets three bonus as well. So if you had Allison or Henderson in net, bravo. You've pretty much outdone many in the FPL community's overall blank game week score so that's really nice yeah it was frustrating watching that Brighton match to kick off the game week we thought the Trossard was going to be in the goals and Brighton was a bit wasteful and now they haven't scored a single goal after hanging three goals on Liverpool so the last three matches under Deserby nada zilch nothing to be seen in the back of the net Yeah, and worse still, they do not have a single win under their new manager. So, you know, they came in firing against Liverpool. They looked legit in that opening match under Deserby. And since then, all quiet on the Eastern front for Brighton. And it's it's about to get much harder as they play against Man City in game week 13. Honestly, they're probably reverting to the mean a bit. I think there was an outlier in terms of their early beginning performances where they were putting up two or three goals in a few of those matches. But the Brighton team that we know, even under Potter, really was successful from the defensive end. And uh, we were happy to gobble up those eight-point returns from Dunk. And I'm very happy that we both went with Dunk over the likes of Veltman, who uh, had a pretty solid match, and Webster as well. So hopefully there'll be more returns in the future for Dunk. He's an aerial threat, and we like to rotate him with our other 4.5s right now. Yeah, great shout about Brighton returning to the mean. I think they are comfortably a mid-table team this season. Next up in the top performers, Bruno Fernandez. Not my favorite player in FPL. Bruno Fernandez. I haven't heard anything about this guy for at least six weeks. Well, he's the second best uh, Portuguese player on Man United, but uh, today he was the best player on the pitch for the men at Old Trafford. He was well. That's that's mainly because CR seven was not on the pitch. He was in the stands, or in the tunnel, or in the tunnel. Cry me a river. This guy guy was beating the traffic. 
listen, at that age, you know, you can't stay up very late. So he was uh, already getting in the dressing room and the showers so that he could get home before the, the crowd spilled out of OT. Yeah, maybe he just had to lay a poop emoji early. So you didn't want to celebrate with the team after another successful 2-0 victory versus Spurs. Yeah, and Bruno, if you had him in FPL, he looked fantastic. He's a real differential this season. A goal, clean sheet point, and three bonus for 11 total. He's the highest scoring outfield player thus far in the game week. Not to be outdone, we mentioned goalkeepers. David Raya, another strong performance. He ends up with 10 points total. Wow. Clean sheet, two save points for seven saves total. And he gets three bonus points against Chelsea. Chelsea, very wasteful. I think Brentford were a little wasteful as well. But both goalkeepers, him and Keppa, uh, did the business. They were having days in net. Uh, nothing was getting past them. From an XG perspective, Brentford had 1.45 compared to Chelsea's 0.56. So nearly tripled them up. This was an interesting lineup from Potter. Tons of changes across the board. Started Broya and some other players were not in our regular side. So Brentford really were knocking on the door. But Keppa in form, back-to-back, really solid games. And a player who I think you will have for the run-in until the World Cup on your wild card. Yeah, he's probably the best value in net right now at 4.4 million. If you are listening to this pod once it's released, he's probably already going to be up to 4.5 million, but uh, he's definitely one to watch. They have tough fixtures, which means he'll get a lot of save opportunities, but uh, I just think sub 4.5 million or even 4.5 million, he's the darling of the bunch uh, because he is number one and I think Chelsea have historically the best defense of all the other 4.5 million keepers. Moving on, we'll talk about Trippier. He comes in with nine points. Man, he is a bonus points machine this season, Bucks. They get a 1-0 victory versus Everton. Best value. He's going to continue to rise. He's going to end up at $6 million by the time this uh, FPL campaign ends and rise at least a full million from his 5.0 evaluation to start the season. At least. And it's worth mentioning, he's the highest scoring defender now. He's also been the most transferred in defender for seven straight game weeks. So if you don't have Trippier yet, what are you doing? Pay attention just a little bit and bring this guy into your team. He's automatic. And when he doesn't get a clean sheet, he seems to be picking up a free kick assist or a free kick goal. He's must own, I think, in the game at this point. Super impressive from what Eddie Howe has changed his narrative he used to be very attacking, less defensive at Bournemouth, and now at Newcastle, they're drilled. They're a very well-oiled machine from the defensive end, and both Pope and Trippier owners get points in the blank game week. Next, Bucks, let's head to the floppers. We got a few complaints about these players. Bowen at the top of the list. The missed pen is really brutal because West Ham deserved to possibly draw in that one, and Allison makes a great save, but you got to beg that NFPL owners will be running to the bank with no cash in hand. Yeah, it was a decent enough attempt, and he drew a very clear penalty on Joe Gomez, but uh, unlucky to not put that in the back of the net. Excellent save from Allison. And we should just note, this is the second missed penalty by West Ham this season, and they've both been crucial because they've dropped points in both those contests. Declan Rice Rice dropped one, yeah. And uh, now Jared Bowen also has the misses, uh, the yips a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think overall West Ham looked quality, so I wouldn't be racing to sell out Bowen. But uh, disappointing that um, they couldn't deliver because it really was an equal contest, I think. Kind of funny now that a lot of FPL managers have moved out or moved on from TAA or Robbo. So usually we would be like, come on, Bowen, like bag that, bag that goal to wipe away the Liverpool clean sheet. But it's not really uh, one of those seasons where everyone is on a Liverpool defender, which is uh, definitely a rarity. So Bowen missing helped us uh, gain rank. Exactly. And next up, the two guys that missed were both in both of our sides. So uh, frustrating to see their names included on this list. Salah was coming into this match looking really hot and Trossard just had a press conference with his new manager glowing about his role being more forward up the pitch, more involved directly in attack. And you know what? They both come in and they're both in positions we do not want to see them in. Salah all the way out wide on the touchline and Trossard 
He's not lining up as one of the forwards or one of the attacking wings. He's lining up as a wing back. So hate to see that. And they both blank, which is excruciatingly frustrating because I believe they were the two top transferred players this game week. So I know I've wasted transfers on both them. To be fair, Salah had six shots and Trossard had four. So relatively active, but no FPL returns this midweek. Next up, we want to highlight the lackluster effort from Spurs. And it was more so what United did to them. United pelted them with 28 total shots to nine. And Bruno Fernandes, like we highlighted before, he gets a goal, but he also created nine chances in this match by himself alone. And that's a vintage Bruno performance, which is actually kind of a rarity in these bigger uh, top six, you know, bigger clubs when they face head to head. So hats off to Bruno for helping pull the strings versus the Spurs. I was going to say, Brian, it was his best big game I think he's ever had. And it's definitely his best game he's had in a season and a half. He was exceptional. He was head and shoulders, the best player on the pitch today. And that's notable when Harry Kane is having such a dream season. And, you know, I think the scoreline slightly flatters Spurs because Lloris stood on his head a number of times. He had five or six massive saves, which otherwise were going into the back of the net. Yeah, he ends up on eight saves, uh, which is a pretty impressive performance and still misses bonus. So one of those days and hey, hats off to what ETH is doing. They look a lot more defensively sound. And therefore, I think you can consider somebody like Delo in your side at a very low price tag, 4.5, 4.6. He's somebody that I would be eyeing up if you need to move on any of your defenders and free up some cash. Okay, that wraps up blank game week 12 for now. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll get into game week 13, some transfer moves, and my wild card. And we're back. Game week 13 deadline is on Saturday morning. We're going to have a full slate of fixtures this weekend, and we are going to welcome back our Arsenal and City assets. Can't wait to have those top lads back in our sides for more FPL points, and hopefully we'll be in for a cracking game week. Let's start with the obvious first match to target, and that is Liverpool at Forest. This is a early kickoff, and wow, I was hoping that Salah might put in a goal and look pretty good today because he's a serious captaincy option instead of Holland versus Brighton. But what are your thoughts here on Liverpool going to Forest? Oh, I wish I felt better about my solid pick and that transfer move. And right now I'm starting to get the heebie-jeebies about keeping him on wildcard because he is so expensive. And there are so many midfielders right now that are banging in the game. I, for one, know that Darwin Nunez is never going to pass the ball to Salah if he has the ball at his feet and a clear shot at goal. He's just not in that phase in his career as of yet. Whereas Bobby Firmino always makes the right decision. Darwin always makes the right decision for Darwin. So that is going to be very hurtful for Salah's overall chances at scoring goals because uh, he's not with a pass first striker. Uh, he's with a very much a shoot first striker. So that has me concerned. And the opening fixture has a bugaboo reputation. You don't want to be using your captain, if at all avoidable in that opening early fixture. Yeah, I'd be happy to own Salah for this one. I don't think I'll be captaining because he's closer to the touchline. And with the injuries that Liverpool have with both Jota and the likes of Diaz out of the squad, we're just going to see a lot more Nunez and Firmino playing. And I'm just unsure about how central Mo will get, especially when you're looking at a creativity standpoint. You know, there, there's less runs that he's able to make into the box and a little bit less counterattacking football with Nunez being the, the head of the spear there. So uh, moving on, let's talk about Brighton at City. So the Pep squad will be well rested. You would think they would put out their best side and they should be motivated after losing at Anfield 1-0. They'll want to pick up points. And I think if you have three City players in this one, you'll feel pretty good. Totally agree. It's worth mentioning they are the only fully rested team in the Premier League right now. And they're like Brian said, they are going to be extremely hungry for goals and for results, having been kept without one at Anfield and getting their first loss of the season. Brighton, on the other hand, 
their players are really going to be operating in the red zone uh, from a fatigue perspective. So this is one of those schedule loss kind of situations that we see a lot in the NBA over here stateside or in the NFL, where one team has significantly more rest and is more conditioned to roll out their best healthy team versus an opponent that is slightly weakened by the schedule. So Man City should cruise to a comfortable win, I would say 4-0 against Brighton at home in front of their crowd. And because of that, I think we're going to be right back to where we were in game week 11 with Holland as the most popular captaincy option. Yeah, the rest for Holland obviously helps his captaincy shout. And I think 4-0 would be a bit um, adventurous. I'm going to go 3-0 and City get a clean sheet at home as well. Now, looking at the best in real life, IRL matches Manchester United head to Stamford Bridge to play Chelsea. Wow. Chelsea drop points today and they get a 0-0 draw versus Brentford. What are your expectations playing a rather inform United side? This is going to be a tough battle for Chelsea and for United. This is really a battle for fourth place at this point in the season. Both teams are one game behind most others in the schedule and Chelsea is just one point ahead in the table. So uh, this is a must win game for both sides. I think it's going to be a cagey affair. I'm going to lean to what my heart is saying. And I think it's going to be two one Chelsea, but I could easily see it being two one United. Uh, They're just in much better state than Chelsea is from an attacking perspective for sure. I don't know if they're in a better state. I mean, we put out such a bizarre lineup today and didn't have our regular starters. With that being said, United definitely look very threatening, especially if Bruno is going to have a couple of successful games in a row. Anthony looks great on the wing. He's going to cause a lot of trouble. He's been taking a lot of shots from outside the box, but he had a few really close efforts again today. And I think uh, he's been actually a, a pleasant surprise for United, given that they dropped the Brinks truck for him. And he's kind of lived up to the evaluation from Ajax and from ETH. So I think this one is going to be a, a draw, actually. Yeah, and the other pure watch is Newcastle traveling to the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to face a now kind of desperate for results Conte side. Uh, Spurs look terrible against Man United. They need to right the ship because uh, spots six through four are all kind of on mini surges where Tottenham are sputtering. So Chelsea, Man United, and Newcastle are all in good form. Spurs, not so much. So This will be a contest to see uh, early preview of how European football is shaking out. Spurs really need Kulu to come back in the side to have some more width and also some creativity. So his muscle injury, I think he's still kind of week to week. That would really boost their chances from an attacking perspective. So this should be a KG one as well. I think overall Spurs defense has looked really good this season. Uh, This could be the opportunity, though, for some rotation. Between the wingbacks, we've seen Perisic start the last couple as well as Doherty. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, wingbacks come. I think Royale is back from his three-game suspension as well. So just uh, warning those who have brought in both of those wingbacks recently. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I think this is a 1-1 game, and I think it's played pretty tight. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some community questions before we preview Bucks' wildcard. We'll be right back. Community questions. Ding, ding, ding. Mailbox. You've got a new message in your inbox. Coming first is a question from Corey Cummings. He's asking thoughts on United defense after their match versus Hotspurs, they have now two straight clean sheets and they look they look pretty good. Look, if you can grab Delo on wildcard, if you're one of those lucky few who are activating the chip in game week 13, I think he's a no brainer, especially when you look at their last few matches. Obviously, you could bench him versus Chelsea. And then after that, they have some great fixtures. You're looking at the likes of West Ham, Villa and Fulham. 
And those are some easily cleanable fixtures, especially with the way that they're controlling the midfield a bit more. I think Casemiro has had some consecutive starts and he plays with a lot of passion and gives them options. Today, Fred played pretty well as well and got one of the first goals to break the nil-nil deadlock after halftime. So I would definitely have one of those guys that you could rotate in your side on wildcard. Next question also from Corey, giving him a two-parter. He's asking about which goalkeeper has the best upcoming four fixtures. He has Raya right now. He wants to know if he should keep him or make the swap for Keppa on his game week 13 wildcard. And then in addition to that, we have the question from Molly at FPL underscore underscore life. Thanks for sending in your question. She asked best goalkeeper until the World Cup. Can I really be thinking of Keppa? So Keppa is hot on the minds of FPL managers because he plays for one of the top four sides in the Premier League and at his price is very attractive. With that being said, the other lads are really putting up huge bonus points. So you can't really shy away from Raya if you have him or also some of the top fixtures for this run-in include Everton and Crystal Palace. So tons of great 4.5s. I would probably... Go with Keppa, but I think the other guys are shouts as well. I just would not be looking to grab a Pope or even an Allison. I don't think you want to go premium. You want to save that budget for your other outfield players and hope that you continue to rein in bonus points from these 4.5s. So I'm likely leaning towards Keppa myself because uh, it helps me save a always valuable 0.1 million in my wildcard team. But if I had Raya already, like Corey does, I think I would stick with him because they have much better fixtures from a defensive POV than Chelsea do coming up until the wildcard. And yes, Brentford might not be as secure at the back, but I just think you're betting on fixtures. And the fact that they have uh, much weaker attacks that they're facing, whereas Chelsea have United and Newcastle, uh, that just scares me away. So I would, I would much rather be facing the Brentford or the Everton uh, opponents than I would be the Chelsea opponents, if the price is all in all the same. Yeah, I think Kepa has been making some great saves, but if he misses one of those, the bonus points and the clean sheets are easily wiped away. And so honestly, because Chelsea also, they they face Arsenal in game week 15. So they actually have some tough matches. I would not be going Kepa. I would be going with Raya or Gaita or probably Pickford, honestly. So those are the three that I would go for. Um, but as a homer pick for a co-host of the FPL Blues podcast, Bucks, I would like you to have Kepa, Kepa, Kepa. I for sure I'm keeping Keppa at least through tonight when he is scheduled to price rise. And then I will probably uh, have to reevaluate tomorrow morning. Moving on to a question from FPL Black Wolf. Black Wolf, we miss you. We love you. Thank you again for being an amazing guest host earlier this season. He's asking in terms of priority, how would you rank some of the mid-priced midfielders? He specifically is asking about Saka, Foden, and Zaha for the run-in before the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, between those three, there are going to be super popular assets. Two of them are on pens with Saka and Zaha. So that's obviously a huge feather in their large hat, um, maybe a, a cat in the hat type of cap. Saka <laughs> is actually on top from a uh, XGI perspective over the last four matches at 0.8 per 90. So that's very high. Um, he's done very well with five returns in the last four matches. Foden. 0.79 XGI per 90. So he's right up there as well. So if there's not much in between those two players at all, but I think the pens would make me lean towards getting Saka first and then prioritizing Foden in game week 14 when they have an easier fixture. Brighton is, they're going to score goals versus Brighton, but it won't be as easy. Whereas Arsenal has the likes of Southampton. And then Zaha in a comfortable third, just because Crystal Palace really don't manufacture a lot of goals. We were seeing tons of FPL managers complaining, bitching, just moaning that, oh, I hate owning Zaha whenever he, I have him. He doesn't do shit. And then he gets a really uh, crucial goal and eight pointer this week, which is probably a fifth or more than uh, of the points that most managers scored this game week. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Brian. I want to echo that I think both Saka and Foden are essential, especially if you have your wild card in game week 13. 
I would not be lining up without both them solidly locked into my midfield. And I really think that Zaha is a great shout because at his price, he it offers tremendous value. The fact that he has penalty kicks. Yes, Crystal Palace are slightly anemic in offense and unpredictable, but him and Eze, I think both are looking like great value gets from the Palace attack. And I think Zaha is locked and he's nailed into that lineup. So you don't have to be checking, uh, you know, an hour before the match to confirm that he is going to be actually lining up in attack for them. So I like the certainty of Zaha on my wild card, which we'll touch on in just a moment. You'll see that I have all three of those guys nailed in my team. Yeah, Eze has been very impressive. He's got two goals in his last two matches. He's very technically gifted and helps create chances. I would like to see Zaha play a little bit more centrally because right now he's kind of pinned on the left and trying to cut in all the time. But classic player for FPL. He's on pens. He's going to get a number of chances each game, and he loves a shot on goal. Uh, Another player I would shout, though, is Anthony. The game week 14 through 16 fixtures for United are very, very appealing. And so he could be a differential if you wanted to fade Zaha and maybe go with somebody else in that kind of 7.5 million pound bracket instead. Like that shout. And I think Trossard, who is a very popular get, is likely the one who has to be transferred out to make way for these guys. Because as we've mentioned, Brighton traveled to Etihad to play against Man City. They're going to have tired legs and He's not delivering even against the worst competition. So hard to back him against what we think is probably the creme de la creme of the league. Next up, FPL underscore chemist asks, would you go with Salah or Darwin for these next four fixtures? So we obviously touched on both Salah and Darwin earlier, but Darwin really seems to get the big chances when he starts. With that being said, he was hooked under 60 minutes today and therefore didn't accumulate more points or bonus in this one. Bucks, what are your thoughts between the two? From the eye test, it has to be Darwin. He looked spectacular in this match uh, against West Ham. He hit the post very solidly, so he realistically, uh, an inch the right way, could have been on a brace and max bonus, even with the early hook. Um, The issue is just the penalty kicks. You really want a player above eight and a half million to have that carrot and a path towards additional points, easy additional points at that from the penalty spot. Salah has that, but positionally he is not looking very involved. So uh, he's a big risk. And I think you'd feel better with Darwin knowing that he's going to be starting most matches, but I just think there's more, it's a safer pick to go with Salah. Let's say that. Yeah, Darwin is a player that we're waiting to see have a few back-to-back hauls. I think if you're on wildcard, you could could consider Darwin, but I wouldn't be ripping up your team and taking a hit heading into game week 13 to bring Darwin in if you already have Salah. And then we also have another question from FPL Chemist. He says, with a bit of rotation hitting teams, should we be focusing on defense again? and considering bringing back players like TAA into our sides. So obviously we had a really low scoring game week. I think this is more of an outlier than it is the average game week. So I would still want to have Cancelo and Trips and then rotate your 4.5 defenders based on the fixtures. TAA is an interesting question. I think this is really specific to him because we were expecting he might miss all these matches until the World Cup. So to see him basically back in action with no time off uh, and no time spent in the training room is shocking. And the fact that he came in and Liverpool still kept a clean sheet, uh, even if it was just by the fingertips of Allison's goalkeeper gloves, encouraging to say the least. So uh, he didn't really look fantastic, but he also didn't hurt them. So I think that could be a vote of confidence for TA. If he is in fact fit, he's going to get the start. So uh, I like the punt. I think uh, he's probably not worth seven and a half million from an FPL budget perspective, but he is differential at this point in the season. And I never thought I'd say that uh, based on my last two seasons of experience. From my perspective, I still want to focus my transfers on the attacking players and just ride out whoever you have currently in your defensive back line. Once we have a better view of what Liverpool is going to look like post-World Cup, and that same thing goes for when Reese James comes back into the sides, I think, again, focus on the attackers instead. 
All right, last question we have is from Matt Smith. He asks, FPL seems a bit kind of stale at the moment. What do we think are the key differentials for the next four game weeks? So, Bucks, let's uh, talk about this. Obviously, you're on wild card. You're going to have some of the heavy hitters. But who's caught your eye over the last couple of game weeks that could actually be big time differentials? All right. So I have a couple of them in my wild card team right now. So uh, I'm just going to start there. I think Foden is a key differential. He's owned by less than 25% of the game. And most players have moved off Man City and Arsenal. So I think that Foden and Saka, who we both shouted out earlier, those are must owns and priority transfer moves for game week 13, let alone even taking hits for them, I would almost recommend. That's how explosive both these players are at a very attainable and achievable price point. So I think those guys are priority moves. We mentioned Salah. There's a lot of uncertainty around him. He is a differential at this point. He's owned by less than 40% of the game, and he's not going to be captained by many of those managers who will also have Holland. He plays Nottingham Forest. Brighton performance, be damned. Forest are still a defense that we should be targeting. And the fact that Liverpool get them in game week 13, yes, it's the early fixture, but I think Salah captain is a great differential at this point in the season. You just got to back it. And if you have Darwin Nunes, I would say same thing true with him. If you have him, you probably want to captain him in this fixture. That's how good Liverpool look when they're humming. And that's how bad Forrest are when they are just being themselves this season. I think we're going to focus a little bit more on some of the lesser owned and popular players in FPL. Obviously, Bucks shouted out a few that have somewhat low ownership, but Somebody like Eze at Crystal Palace, they have the second best fixtures over the next four game weeks from a ranking perspective when you look at Fantasy Football Scout. And then I would also shout out Miguel Almiron. He is on fire right now and getting a lot of attacking returns. Both of those guys are super cheap and could fit into your side instead of having somebody like Andreas. So that could be a good differential that you don't have to spend a lot of money on. So both of those players should definitely be considered. And then lastly, I think the lads from Manchester United, this is the first time that they actually have decent attacking fixtures and in a row consecutively, we've seen them have like one decent fixture, then a hard fixture for like the last like six game weeks. And so now I would really be considering those guys, uh, potentially somebody like Anthony again could pop off. And when you look at the defensive side of the ball, the Delo shout, and then even Ben White is somebody who could come into your side and be a differential for you. Yeah, Ben White, less than 6% owned, 4.5 million. He's played every minute of the season thus far, and he looks fantastic in the right back position. So he's definitely a player locked into my wildcard team. I also think that Anderson from Crystal Palace is a great shout. He's less than 3.5% owned. He's 4.5 million. And I just think that Palace have such appealing fixtures from a defensive perspective. They haven't been keeping clean sheets yet, but I have to believe that they're coming. So uh, based on these fixtures, that's a bet on fixture more than form. Fixtures breed form. That's something we always preach around here at the FPL Blues podcast. So thanks again, everyone, for getting your questions in. Keep them coming every week. It helps us produce the pod and gives us something to talk about other than our specific teams. So we're going to take our last break and then come back with Bucks's wild card. All right, we're ready to get wild and wild card. So I have smashed the bonus chip. I am on wild card. I've made a ton of tinkers, a ton of transfers, and I'm ready to reveal the version 600 of my first wild card draft. <laughs> Already at 599. This is number 600 bucks. You've been tinkering a lot over the last 24 hours already. Yeah, uh, to say that we both have problems would be an understatement. Let's get into it, starting with goalie. Right now, I'm on Keppa and Danny Ward. Uh, It's the cheapest way to have two starting number one goalkeepers. Uh, I am slightly tempted to swap Keppa to David Raya based on fixtures, but Keppa is set to price rise, so I'm going to be slightly patient for at least another couple hours and then make a final reevaluation on Friday based on the press conferences. 
Great combination, especially if Lester, who have some really good fixtures until game week 16 as your backup. So I can't fault that at all. I think those are two great choices. And when you look at the fixtures, you could even um, you know rotate and play Danny Ward in game week 16. So they're going to play West Ham, whereas Brentford plays City in that game week. So those are you know two potential options. And then if you have um, the likes of Kepa and Gold, they play Newcastle in game week 16. So Ward still the standout backup keeper. Let's move to defense bucks. I think you're shaking it up a bit. Uh, who do you have in your back line? All right. So my back line has been swapping around a bunch, but two players are for sure locked Trippier and Cancelo. They've been in my team pretty much the entire season and I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So those guys are both locks. And then I'd mentioned Ben white as a potential differential He's also locked, I believe, in my team. 4.5 million Arsenal defense look fantastic. Yes, I'd probably rather have Saliba or Gabrielle, but they're much more expensive. And on wildcard, I need to be pinching pennies wherever possible. So those three guys are in my team and likely going to be every game week starters. And they will rotate with Diogo Delo. I apologize for slandering him on the last episode, uh, previewing <laughs> blank game week 12. He's turned it around. He looks really convincing and he looks like he's locked in to that spot on the wing. So I really like what he's offering and the defensive solidity of Man United uh, cannot be uh, said as a blip. It's the real deal. They are the real deal. So I think for your defense, you can definitely look at rotating in low in game week. 15. So Man United will play Villa, whereas your shout of Ben White will play Chelsea. So we never want to have our players going against our team. So that'll be perfect time for rotation. And then Anderson is just in run of the mill. Hey, you can you can sub him in if somebody gets hurt, it kind of delays an extra transfer you'd have to make. And uh, you have, you know, full five playing back line and skipping somebody cheap like a Bueno or a Nico Williams. Yeah, so Brian, you you jumped ahead. My fifth defender spot is still kind of up in the air, um, deciding between Anderson, between Gehi, between Tarkowski, and between this guy Bueno on Wolves, who had his first full 90-minute start and an assist. His first full 90 minutes and start for Wolves in blank game week 12. He looked really good in midweek. So uh, that's a total punt. He's 3.9 million. And we can discuss when it gets to my forward spots, why that fifth option could be a write-off because it will allow me to go from Mitrovic up to a higher caliber forward option. Nah, I'm not a big fan of taking punts on unknown commodities, especially at this point in the season. So I think you'll have enough cash to hopefully grab another four or five instead of going with a cheap guy like a Bueno, because as soon as you bring him in, he might not play again for the rest of the season. All right, let's move to the midfield. Are you going to be playing a 3-5-2 or what's your desired formation on wildcard as well, Bucks? Yeah, great question. I'm going to be leaning into the 3-5-2. I've Started the season big at the back going 5-3-2, and it's time to shake it up and really have options across the board in midfield. That is where the big point halls are coming from. So on this wildcard draft, I've souped up my midfield in a really big way. I have Salah, and that could be a short-term get, but uh, he gets Nottingham Forest, so I love that fixture for him. Then I have him lined up next to Foden, Saka, Zaha and Martinelli. So unfortunately, it's time for me to say goodbye to Andreas Pereira. He's been a loyal soldier and great fifth midfield option for my team, much better than Jacob De Silva, who sucked a lot in that role. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's time for me to pour resources into midfield. And I just feel that these five are such great value. The clear and obvious choice, the real decision here is to Salah or not to Salah. And I've decided that he's not going to be my captain in game week 13, but I think having him will be a, a potential value uh, for game week 13 and game week 14 at minimum. Yeah. Interesting. I think Salah for game week 13 is a captaincy shouts. And, you know, if you have him hold him, I probably would prefer Harry Kane, who has been much more consistent, especially if you're not looking to captain Salah versus 
NFO and you're just going to go with Holland, but uh, that's a decision you can make later on. It does free up a lot of cash if you go with Kane instead of Salah, and maybe you can make upgrades to your team elsewhere. Um, the fixtures are kind of a mixed bag for Spurs. They're going to play Newcastle at home, then Bournemouth away, then Liverpool at home, and then Leeds at home. So three out of the four are at home coming up, and he's been great on penalty on penalties and gobbling up some headers. So just something to tinker with potentially, but the rest of those guys sound pretty good. I think I would actually start to be fading the likes of Zaha and looking at that spot as the next one to take a punt on. So obviously he's on pens and they have some better fixtures, but I've been a little bit unimpressed with the way that their attack has looked over the last kind of three game weeks, having been a Zaha owner for all of those. Uh, so that's another slot that I think you could potentially move around as well, but no complaints about that midfield. It looks very solid. Yeah. And just worth mentioning that Liverpool are top of the fixture ticker for attacking fixtures in the next two and Arsenal are second crystal palace are third. So I'm just leaning into fixtures and taking the best players from the teams with the best fixtures on this wild card. Uh, the real thing to remember on wild card 13 is it's a sprint. You're only picking this team for four game weeks. So I am looking very short term and I mentioned Salah could have a very short leash. If he does not deliver in 13, he then gets leads. And then I'll be likely thinking about roping him and using two free transfers to make a potential switch. So nothing is set in stone in this team. And you have to be very flexible with a late wild card to be uh, chasing this upside. Yeah. Especially if we get any, team news heading into the weekend we will see more rotation a lot of us will have rather deep squads though so we should be able to handle it but you'll be able to hand pick what are the best players in your team since you're on wildcard all right frontline who do we got i'm sure you've got the norse god himself who else is up there yeah so holland's been in my team day one and he's a player that's gained tremendous value and given my team tremendous value he's a must own and so he's not going anywhere Right now, I have Tony coming in from Mitrovic as my second forward option, and that's the reason that I would have to bring in a kind of non-playing fifth defender to free up the difference in cash. So he's 7.3 million. Mitrovic is 6.8 million right now in the season. So that 0.5 is, is a tough gap to manage when you also have a player like Salah, who is so expensive. And because I have chose... To go with a 3-5-2, I'm just going to go with Sam Greenwood, uh, kind of dead uh, third striker option. And it's interesting because if I would have wildcarded in game week nine, for sure I would have had three playing forwards. And so it's just interesting how the game is continuing to evolve this season um, in a, another chaos-filled season of FPL under my belt. Yeah, all good shouts. Um, I really like Tony in your side, I think he's a player that consistently gets penalty opportunities. He's the main man. He's healthy. I think that's the biggest thing between him and Mitrovic right now is that Mitrovic has picked up a few knocks and he's going to play in the World Cup. So he might have his minutes managed more and you could see him come off at 60 minutes in a few of these upcoming matches since he will be a prime player for Serbia. So I definitely enjoy those shouts. I think, again, Kane is somebody that you could maybe switch up if you wanted to go to a 3-4-3 and possibly skip Salah. But you have all these great options, Bucks. It looks like a really solid team. And um, from my perspective, I'm pretty happy because I'm not that far away from your ideal wild card, maybe two or three moves. So I'm also feeling in a good place. So let's move on to my transfer thought, which is going to be bringing in Saka or Foden this game week for Trossard. Trossard was a one week punt. He blanked versus NFO, unfortunately. So I think I'm going to be prioritizing Saka in my side for two reasons. One, he's on penalty kicks. So with the XGI being so close between him and Foden, I want to have more bites at the apple to potentially get those free layups and um, penalty kicks. So I'm hoping that helps tilt the table. And then in addition to that, I have two city players on my bench right now in Cancelo and Holland. They're going to come right in. And then if I bring in Saka, I'll have two Arsenal players for this game week. So that'll be a little bit more balanced and give me a little bit more enjoyment when I'm watching these fixtures. Interesting. I actually would lean the other way. I think if I only had a free transfer, I think I would prioritize Foden. The fact that he's fully rested and we're recording again on Wednesday evening in the States, 
Arsenal have a match to play against PSV at home in the Europa Ooh. League. On Europa League? <laughs> Who gives a damn about that? Saka's not going to be playing any minutes in that match. Well, just something to remember that their team is going to be coming off short rest because uh, select members of the squad will be featuring in that Thursday fixture. So again, I just think fully rested Man City against a team like Brighton that are struggling for any semblance of form, uh, defense or otherwise. Again, I just back the fully rested bunch and Foden just signed a new contract. He's getting on great with Holland, getting in the goals and taking a lot of shots. So from an open play perspective, Foden is the better player right now. Obviously, you have to factor in penalty kicks, but uh, I just think that City are going to score more goals than Arsenal this weekend. So as a short-term, immediate action, I would rather have Foden in my team than Saka. Honestly, I think they both score three goals in this game week 13. So I don't think there's much in it. And honestly, it's just picking between two awesome options. Uh, I'm jealous that I won't be able to get both this game week unless I took a hit. But uh, for now, I'm happy with that. And captaincy, we're both on Holland. Uh, Duh. Of course I'm on Holland. (laughs) He's the best player in FPL this season by a wide margin. And it's humbling because I was certain that Salah would be the best FPL player I'd ever witnessed. And uh, so, so quick we forget the past because Holland has come in. He's the new shiny toy and he's in the best offense and he's incredible. So he had his first blank of the season in game week 11. That feels like ages ago, but, uh, yeah, even even against Brighton, uh, historically solid team. Uh, the fact that they're fully rested, he's rearing to go. And I know Pep's been in his ear. Holland, you've missed some easy chances recently. You're leaving a lot of points on the board. He's going to come in and want to smash it. So uh, I'm backing him in a big way. Those Pep Guardiola mind games in full force. And yeah, we expect them to run rampant versus Brighton. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll come out with our team sheets on social, especially highlighting Bucks' final wildcard team. We appreciate you bringing in the questions, bringing the heat, and we can't wait for another Game Week deadline right around the corner. Thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of your blank Game Week 12, and let's get green arrows. Let's get back on track, both of us on the podcast, in Game Week 13. Oh, baby, that's right. We got a couple players playing tomorrow. We need Andreas to Mitch Rowe two or three times over. That would put us in a blissful state heading into the weekend. Good luck, everyone. Amen to that. Thanks, Brian.